Nathan Strands, thanks for coming, man. Thank you very much, Sean Lund. Yeah, I do love the hair. You look kind of like a Viking. Thank you. That's a compliment. It's, so, first thing I want to do is introduce you. I was going to jump straight into asking where your family's from, but sure. Let's give a let's give a little more relevant background first. So, you're a local in Hood River. You live in the Mosier region. You've been here your entire life, and you're a business owner. You're a dad. And you're an active community member in multiple different sports and activities here. Is that a pretty good summary of that's great who you are? I think so. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So yeah, I was curious. What, do you know where your family, where your heritage comes from? Like yeah, yeah, a lot uh, from my <clears throat> from my dad's side of the family. A lot of Swedish roots. Okay. Uh, from my mom's side of the family, uh, also a little bit of Swedish, a little bit of Irish. Mm -hmm. um, my my father's father's side is mostly German, mm. so it's a little bit of Swedish, German, Irish mix in there. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Any idea how long ago they came to the States? My great-great-grandfather migrated from uh, Sweden over to Portland, actually. Oh, wow. And then my great-grandfather was born in Portland, stayed in Portland for a while, uh, and then kind of moved around a little bit. Do you bit. know if he took a ship straight to Portland or I don't know. That's a good all of my all of my ancestors that have that knowledge have passed on. Mm. So it's a lot of it is just piecing together things through memories that I have from my grandmother telling stories and then we do have a lot of uh glass negatives uh from pictures, taking pictures back in the day. Uh so piecing together missing parts from that too and and just kind of reliving those stories and trying to figure out lineage right what what is a glass negative when you're when, back in the day for film uh you're you're the you're using the light and it's burning the image onto a plate a glass plate and right. that is your that is your picture mm. and it's yeah right it's it's inverted from the black is light and the light is black mm -hmm. yeah right? yeah right on yeah i don't know too much about photography i know that i i i have a I'm drawn to the arts like that. Like I, when yeah. I see a photo, it resonates with me and, and I, I just don't know the science behind it. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. It gets into chemistry and, and physics pretty quick and it's yes, like, sir. whoa, yes. I just want to take cool photos. Yes. Uh, have you done a lot of that kind of family history searching to figure out where people came from? Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like even growing up and going to school, different projects would have you researching your family history and and ancestry and that that's probably when i first started wondering about both sides of my family and then it's just kind of different periods of my life where i'm feeling the calling i guess to to research or if i find that there's something going on in my life and i'm i'm wondering hey i wonder if my family has any experience with this does that make sense mm -hmm. and i'll i'll kind of do more research on that but Nowadays, with so much info on the internet, I feel like I can, that's mostly how I've tracked down different relatives and, and different stories, right? Know, including my, my, the Shogren side of the family that we were talking about earlier. Right. Yeah. I was going to ask. So do you want to say a little bit about that? Cause I know yeah. so little, it's probably easier just to pass it off. To sure. You. I, I don't know much. Like I, like I said, <laughs> most of it is, is research that I've done on the internet and, and stories from my grandmother, but my grandmother's aunties owned their own business in Portland, the late 1800s. They started, uh, fashion designers. They were, they were 
creating and building these amazing dresses for high society mm -hmm. in Portland and, and around Oregon. So the, were those direct daughters of the Norwegian, that are the Swedish relative mm -hmm. you said that came straight to Portland? Mm -hmm. Okay. Totally. Interesting. Yep. So they were in Portland and they at some point started this fashion upholstery business and then they moved just it, dresses, just dresses. Yep. And then they moved it to Mosier. No, no. So they, so when they, I, I think late 1800s is when they, they were really popular. And then between 1900 and 1910, I think they employed my great, great aunties employed, uh, or I'm sorry, great aunties employed over a hundred women in that 10 year span, I mm. believe. And then ended up retiring. I think that it was like a 30 year chunk of them being in business. Mm. And I believe after World War One, the the demand for high end dresses and, and things like that kind of subsided. Mm. So they they ended up retiring, stayed in Portland. My great grandfather had a house in Portland that's still there. Uh, and they I think that the aunties lived there. And then my great grandfather moved out to Mosier, built a house out in Mosier in 1901. Gotcha. And what was the business called? Do you know? I, I believe it was just M.A. Shogren. Oh, okay. Yeah, because you said the Shogren sisters or mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah. They kind of went by that name. Is yeah. That... Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So how have you learned about them, mostly? A lot of the glass negatives <laughs> that we would go through with my grandmother when she was alive. Mm. And, and just a lot of stories through her, for sure. And then what's really interesting is, is I will come across people that have more knowledge about the family than I do that, that I don't even know, right? Like they can be a patron at the restaurant and they recognize the name and they'll say, wow, I worked for the Oregon Historical Society and I know X, Y, Z about your family. Mm. It's just very cool to hear, hear stories outside of that. You know what I mean? Right. But so, so has it, how do you draw, um, like, does it inspire you or are there more things you want to learn about it or how does it kind of affect you today? It inspires me for sure. And in, in many different ways, the number one thing that's super inspiring about the story is that it was so unheard of to have healthcare for women that worked for you. Right. And, and to have two women running the company. Right. That's just kind of unheard of in 1890. So do you know much about them? and their education and how they became those people? No, I actually don't. Because that'd be really interesting, because to, to your point, if like in that time, not many women were even working, mm -hmm. let alone running a business. Yeah. And here you have these two standout women, like, you know, what, what created that? Let's do that again. Yeah, there's definitely something in the spirit, <clears throat> I feel. Like uh, my brother and I started our own business almost six years ago, and it's... Drawing parallels off of that, like I can see, I guess I can feel that, that pride or that, that desire, I guess, just to have your own, your own way of life and make your own way. Right. And that was something that resonated with my ancestors and turns out it still resonates with, with us today. Right. So what's, do you want to talk a, bit, a little bit about your background and what led you to start MoCo? Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. MoCo being Mosier Company for mm -hmm. those that don't know. Thank you. Um, I, let's see, where to begin? I, before, before the restaurant, I was into kiteboarding a ton. I was teaching kiting down in Panama. I would go down for six months and live down there. 
I would come back up here and I would teach for the six months up here and just had a really nice little rotation going <laughs> and did that for a few years and came back home. And this opportunity presented itself in Mosier to be, to be, to stay in Mosier and to have your own business in Mosier. And we, my brother and I just kind of jumped on the idea before that my brother had a plan to, to create a business with one of his good friends. And the, the business was supposed to take place in Montana. And it was going to be this movie theater slash restaurant thing. And they had been building this idea in their heads for years and years. And then when the opportunity presented itself to be in Mosier, everybody hopped on and helped out, basically. So that idea transformed into restaurant space in Mosier community center in Mosier, sort of say. Hmm. Um, Keep the mic close. Yeah. Did it, so did it just kind of fall into your lap then? It had been talked about for sure, but it, more or less, yes. Uh, we have a, an incredibly close family friend who purchased the property years ago and entrusted us to, to get it going. And being from the area, from Mosier, I think he had a lot of confidence in us and knowing that we we know the clientele you know it's nothing in that space the restaurant space had in my opinion had really succeeded every couple of years it, it felt like there was a new a new regime new turnover so when we kind of got a hold of it it just it just felt right and i think that our our friend our investor could see that and feel that and we all just kind of ran with it so what did you have to do to get to open your version of the restaurant? Because the building was already there. It mm -hmm. was already a restaurant, right? Yep. Yep. There was a, well, so there was a kitchen space in there, but completely gutted. So mm -hmm. just think an incredibly vacant building right. that needed a lot of attention. So we refurbished everything that we could inside. We replaced everything in the kitchen, you know, stoves, fire suppression systems, every, everything. Um, and then moved to the outside of the building. My, my sister-in-law is a landscape designer. So we redid all of that and kind of gave it a fresh, fresh feel, fresh look and totally inclusive. Like it's two separate properties in the beginning with a fence and kind of a road separating it. And it's all just one, one space now. Right. What would you say was the hardest part about that or the most unexpected, the, the hardest unex versus what you thought it was going? What was, what was the relative to how hard you thought it would be? What was the hardest part? Time, time, like figuring out timing in my head and, and all of our heads. Like if we say this is going to take us one week, you know, it's going to take you two weeks. Like that, that was probably the hardest part, getting your hopes set on this certain date of like, okay, hey, we're going to be done with this by then. But having no experience in that, like it, it takes a little bit longer. Right. So just timing and figuring that out. Right. And I imagine, I don't know how you guys financed it, but it, I can imagine how with timeline, you know, overhead and, and just, keep it like you have a family just mm -hmm. taking care of them other people have families right it's like all of those things really start to totally clamp down yeah yeah that's a great point that's that's another thing that that i remember is there are three families 
involved in this project. There's me and my family, my brother and his wife and family, and then my brother's good friend and his family. So there, there are a lot of, a lot of pieces for sure. And that, right. that was also kind of a difficult thing to grasp and try to put into the box. Right. Like, right. And to that point, it's like, Oh, great. We have our brother and our brother's great friend and we're family. So that makes it really potentially easy or we know each other. Well, we can trust each other. So it makes a good business relationship, but all three of you are committed. So if it's not like you can go to your brother cause he's not involved and be like, Hey man, I need a little help. Like, can you back me up? He's already fully committed. Right. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's super interesting. There's definitely a, a big reality check in the beginning of, of what, what we were doing, what we were, what the goal was work your ass off for however long it takes to get everything going and then enjoy it. Right. So did you guys have like an opening party when you guys finished it? Yeah. And did sure. you have to keep pushing the date back? For or? sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think spring was the, the first projected date that we were going to have everybody in. And then that turned into a work party. And mm. then a couple <laughs> months later, another work party transpires. And then finally in August, I think the first week of August, the 8th, is when we, we hit it off. That's, an awesome party. That's awesome. That's yeah. hilarious. That reminds me of... In, in engineering terms, it reminds me of like delivery in place. Like when you sell someone something and you've made it and you're testing it, but you're not ready to actually give it to them so that they can use it. Yeah. You just deliver in place, which basically means you don't deliver it and you keep testing it. I like but... that. <laughs> I like that a lot. <laughs> soft openings. That's what they would call them. Exactly. The yeah, right? Soft release. <laughs> yes. So what's uh what what was your role? What were you kind of managing throughout all of that the my main focus was coffee in the beginning and and learning how to roast and and diving into that and at the same time almost at the same level it was be the face of this company with my mm. family and and really the front of the house sort of sort of thing you know inviting people in making sure people feel welcome uh, right just just trying to open up and share what we had built. Right. right. Like, and were you kind of specifically tasked with being the face or were you all the face? In the beginning, everybody was the face for sure. Yeah. Right. It's not necessarily by design, just, just kind of came up, I, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And did you have to build the roasting space? So the roasting space was, <clears throat> there's a little building uh, on the property. And then there's the, the big building, the restaurant itself. And in the little building, there had been a bar for a mm -hmm. few years. Uh, and so that's, that's where I put the roaster and plumbed it in there. And that's, that's my dedicated space. Half of that is roasting. And then the other half is still a bar. We open the window and right. a walk up sort of style. So there was no roasting capability when you guys acquired or started. Correct. I had never roasted before in my life. What has that been like? It's been awesome. It's, I I love artistry. I, I I love art. To me, coffee roasting has been incredibly artistic, way more than I anticipated. Mm. And I, I definitely I the things that I do are based on feeling for the most part. Anything in life, whether it's music or work or or 
whatever it's it's my feeling first and then my brain gets involved i feel like right so that is how the the coffee roasty kind of transpired i had been working in coffee for many years so i knew what i liked in my taste buds and i knew what what i thought good coffee should taste like and then it was just a a, a process of trying to get it there mm. interesting and where where were you learning about how to make a coffee roasting where were you learning everything everywhere anywhere i could I, people people i could talk to i have a couple of friends that that are coffee roasters so i was able to talk to them a little bit internet is awesome books just anything i can get my hands on a lot of touring of other other <laughs> coffee roasteries so if i was gonna go turn this into a coffee roasting facility mm-hmm what would be the one thing that you would recommend to me based on your learnings? It might be a good idea to make sure people, you have an outlet for your coffee. Okay. Right? It's, <laughs> customers? The, customers are always key for that, for sure. <laughs> but when we, when we started, it was, sales were just in the, in the restaurant itself. And I was making lattes and, and coffee and just, right. that was the majority of the sales. Now... I feel like there are more wholesale accounts for sure. And it's, it's, it, the design is much different now than it was before COVID actually. So before COVID we were open multiple days a week from morning to night. And just now the, the business model is much more slim. We aren't doing any sort of morning or afternoon service. It's just the evenings. So the coffee has kind of uh, funneled into wholesale. Right. Hmm. So yeah, what's walk me through that a little bit. What what's your guys you said you're only doing I feel like you I thought I heard morning, but that seems wrong. Before COVID, we were doing we were doing breakfast, lunch and dinner. Right. And when we first started out, we signed up for the project. We didn't want to be open all day like that. Right. Just because of quality of life. We all have families, we all have activities. Right. So it was important to us. I guess it wasn't so important to us at the time because we we listened to the pressures and just ended up, you know, being open all day long. When you started. Yes. Which was before COVID. Exactly. Right. And then once COVID hit and everything kind of closed down, we had already been talking about slimming down hours a little bit. Mm. But <clears throat> once COVID hit, that was kind of the 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 fork in the road. And the focus was then restaurant was going to be focused on evening stuff, mostly just dinner, uh, dinner and drinks, and then coffee. I, it's it's up to me to get the coffee out elsewhere. Right. So that was definitely a, a big change in the last few years and another learning curve. But. And are you guys back to where you were before COVID or are you still in a modified thing since COVID still as far modified. as operations? Yep. I think that... I think that COVID, honestly, it kind of reprioritized everybody's priorities and, and, and views of, of life. And do you really want to be open from 5 a.m. to midnight sort of thing? Like it's, right. It was a good eye-opener for everybody to just kind of slow down for a moment. Everybody kind of get back into their lanes and then proceed. Right. So... What's your plan going forward? Are you going to continue? Are you just going to feel it out? Or you, do you have some goal that you're trying to get to in terms of operation time, like 
like day-to-day schedule like mm-hmm. hours i guess yeah there's i feel like there's always talk of extending hours between us um honestly the the kind of the way of life right now and the, and the the quality of life has been what we were seeking from the beginning in right. my opinion you know we're not open the the whole day we have this time to do other things we have time to support each other right so you feel like you found the quality of life that you were looking for i have a very good life for sure i'm incredibly fortunate to be where i am with the people that i am with and surrounded by the people that i'm surrounded by for sure right so what do you what do you like to do these days when you're not working well i am the primary childcare provider for my daughter my wife works at home during the day and i hang out with my sweet little five-year-old daughter um she is in school now which is a new development she's in a little preschool Mm. um so I have actually had more time to devote to coffee and, and schedule at work. Whereas in the past, you know, three years, I feel like my life was definitely devoted to raising this child and just putting all of my energy into that and providing for, for that. Right. Wow. So I didn't, I didn't know that, but that's probably very valuable to have your wife working while you're doing this this entrepreneurial venture right it's nice to have mm-hmm. that that's incredibly steady income <laughs> incredibly fortunate my wife is a boss <laughs> that's useful yeah she is yeah she is uh, we could talk for more than two hours on that where did you meet her <laughs> i met my wife in a hotel bar here in hood river oh. <laughs> this is a good story <laughs> he's gonna need some water it's good because anybody that's met my wife and I tell them that, they're like, no, you did not meet your wife in a hotel bar. <laughs> I was out with my brother and my other business partner in Hood River at the Cebu Lounge. I don't know if you've ever been in the Cebu Lounge, but they yeah. used to have excellent music. They did. I was sitting in the corner, listening to a great band, the Quick and Easy Boys. I don't know if you're familiar with those guys. No. Great local band back mm-hmm. in the day. And she just came out of nowhere. Approached me in the corner and say la vie, baby. That she is it. a boss. She is a boss. She asked you out. <laughs> yeah, she like it was amazing. She we were talking. She's like, I've never seen you in Hood River before. Blah blah blah. A little small talk, and she's like, we're just you know telling telling each other little bits and pieces about us. She's like, well, what do you do? And I'm like, well, I like to play music. I play the banjo, and she immediately was like, I think I love you. <laughs> All right, cool. This is fabulous. <laughs> Does she play music too? Yeah. She has a fiddle that she'll bust out every now and then. You guys collaborate much on music? Well, she, this is a recent, like, she, she's classically trained in the old fiddle, but she hasn't played it in many years. So just recently, she restrung it and has been walking around the house, rocking, and I am, like, building up the confidence to ask her to collaborate with me. Uh. The confidence, what, what, why do you need confidence? Because she's really good or because you're really good or because... Well, that's, uh, it's, I don't know if you've ever worked with family before. (laughs) (laughs) It can get tricky for sure. Like being in business with my brother for the last five, six years, like you're going to have some ups and downs for sure. (laughs) And I, I love the relationship I have with my wife right now. (laughs) Right. But I'm sure she would be down to play with me. Yeah. Have you? Do you play 
yeah what, what's your music um recreation look like as of today as of today i i play a lot of piano now i i taught myself how to play guitar when i was probably 13 or 14 internet books and such uh and then continued playing guitar and banjo i moved to chicago for a couple of years with with a family actually our investor in moco i was babysitting or i was his nanny basically for his uh child from from when he was born to about seven hmm. and a couple of those years i lived with them in chicago <laughs> and went to this awesome little music school the old town school of old town school of folk music hmm. and took the banjo and some vocal lessons there and and really kind of dove into more of the music theory side of life um and then uh i'm sorry lost my train of thought <laughs> i was asking just what you've been up to with music and you said you yes. moved to chicago Thank went you. to this uh yeah that, so the guitar that's the guitar and stringed instruments were kind of where i was the trajectory i was going in uh and then fast forward x amount of years i am about to have a child and there are a couple of things in my mind that are incredibly important for a child to have in the house and a piano is one of those things so i found a piano and slowly just started teaching myself how to play i have my sister's a, a fantastic pianist so i was always able to ask her questions as well or continue to ask her questions on it but that has been my practice for the last five years just piano cool and what um what what style of music do you like to play on the piano most of it is is my original composition stuff oh. when i get on the piano because my my music theory and reading music is very slow so I, I can't just sit down and look at a piece and and go over it like i would have to i would have to sit down for 20 minutes and look at it and then slowly be able to play it so right. my impatience kind of kicks in and i think that i just kind of go with what's inside of me the the feeling that i'm feeling and would you like are you are you composing classical style are you composing kind of more new age yeah, like... yeah you could call it contemporary for sure because it's a mix i would say there are I, I i wouldn't consider myself a jazz musician but there are hints of some jazz in there there are hints of some rock in there uh-huh some hints of of folk uh, all the things that i i listen to and it's a very broad spectrum for sure like i I have a lot of different musical influences do you that have any, seem to seep out. Do you have any pianists that you idolize? Or do you mostly take inspiration from other genres and then bring that into the piano? That's a great question. Since I have been devoting more time to playing the piano, I have discovered more contemporary pianists and even older pianists as well. Uh, so there are a few that I will turn on. You know, Chopin is one that I, I will usually throw on for my daughter. Mm -hmm. If I ever have a down moment in the house, just throw that on. Right. And what about like in terms of rock or, or jazz? Are there, are there any oh, bands yeah, that... for sure. Like Dr. John immediately comes to mind. Never when... heard of him. Oh, for real? Yeah. Mm. Dr. Well, John, New Orleans, piano. Jazz? Uh, yeah. Yeah, jazz, rock, okay. for sure. A little psychedelic. Um, Incredible showman, like just stage presences, unmatched sort of thing like that. Yeah. Are you a live music kind of a guy? Yeah. Yeah. Playing or listening or? Yeah, I guess both. Yeah. Yeah. Both. Both for sure. Uh, I love a good show. 
Have you done, have you played much live? Like yeah, in front of people? For sure. Oh. Yeah. I, I have, I've had a band in the gorge for maybe five years. And we, uh, longer than that, actually, because before Boco, there was another restaurant in Mosier called the Rack and Cloth. And yeah. every Sunday I would play music there mm. with a friend. And then it was just a duo. And then a couple months would pass by and we'd add one more person. And then a couple months passed by and we had another person. So we had this four piece band that just felt good. So what's, mm. what's that like? Cause I'm so fascinated by the music the activity of playing music together because I play very little guitar and that's just about it. But I've always um, admired or really wanted to play with a group of people, but I also haven't taken the time to get good enough myself where anyone wants to play with me. <laughs> but it also seems like it's just kind of hard these days to find people that want to do things in person in general. So mm -hmm. I'm just curious kind of, how you guys is it hard to practice to get together are people super into it like do you set a date every week like how do you how, yeah. how's that go well for years it, it was the kind of the the foundation of the band was that we didn't practice together we would get together every <laughs> sunday and it would be up to me since i i was kind of in charge of song the set list uh it was up to me to kind of design the set list i, I so to say and everybody else can kind of kind of fall in on that. And you would send that to them before the show? Nope. Oh, no. No. Incredible, they were just that like, good. Yeah. Uh, the, yes, would for sure. Would you give them sheet music? No. So <laughs> You it, guys are really good. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a combination of, of finding people that are really good to do that, but it's also I'm not coming up with incredibly sophisticated songs. Right, mm -hmm. like if you if you've tapped your foot to music before, like you could probably follow along in my right, song, right. and you can kind of like. But you're composing the music, or you're picking, you're covering. Uh, when I first started, I was definitely doing more covers for sure, mm -hmm. and so yes, people would recognize the band would recognize which song I was playing, but I I would never try to play a song like I heard it, you know, like right, right. I would always you would mimic it or exactly. emulate it, and that came out of being a teenager probably and and trying to go through a song and being like Shit, i can't figure this out and then just kind of figure like coming up with my own ending of the song you know, right. does that make sense sure yeah you always think there's going to be a note when there's not stuff like that and then you make your own version yeah. yeah 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 if you if you took the time to actually dissect what's really going on in some of these songs like it's take a little take a while for right. sure but so you built a band around not practicing yeah Totally. Nice work. And, and, and again, it's that, it's that feeling, right? Like, and you, you can feel it when you get together with, with a group, when the foundation is, we only get together on gig days, right? Like, there's no practice during the week. Right. It's going to be easy to keep the band together. Exactly. Everyone wants to show up. Yeah. It's, it's very exciting. It's, you never know what's going to happen. And it was always my goal to, to never have the same set list, right? Like, switch songs around different and meld songs together medleys and whatnot like definitely just letting the feeling kind of take hold interesting so that was when you started mm -hmm. and how long have you been doing that gosh that could have been 10 years ago when i started with with that group okay and then that that played out for five or six plus years and then I just kind of lost my uh, fire, 
I lost the fire to play with that same group. Were you kind of holding the team together? Were you the glue doing all the heavy lifting of I wouldn't say that I was the glue, but I, I had the most pressure because I had to sing. I had to remember not just, you know, uh, not just chords, but I have to remember lyrics as well. <laughs> and, you know, gauging the crowd and just entertaining. Like, it's it, it's a task right. for sure. You were the MC. Yeah, pretty much. The, so there was myself and then my I had a buddy who played lead guitar and he would also sing some songs and take some pressure off for sure. Right. But I can remember thinking like, I just want to be in the background playing. I don't really right. want to be the one that's coming up with the set list <laughs> and, and all of that. And then that, when I stopped playing with all those guys, I I picked up the piano and I started playing more and that fire just like, boom, lit right back up. And I started writing again and still play with two of the the fellas that were in that same band we just added a different uh guitarist so it's still a four-piece band and we now practice together we we were before the winter we were getting together once a week and jamming out just coming up with new songs and new vibes and are you guys looking to perform live yeah i know a guy at moco that can get us a gig <laughs> <laughs> so have you guys been playing there yeah cool sure. and how often do you guys play there um last summer we only played a couple of times maybe three times there okay the year before that probably a little bit more we did like a january residency where we played every sunday in the dining room which is pretty fun cool and yeah. are you looking to play in other venues as well or pretty, pretty not really it's logistically like I, I have an actual piano that i play it's not a keyboard it's not electric so it's like i have to push it out of the building put it up on stage mic it up and it's there's a lot you of bring time it in and out every show well i keep it in the roast house so yes. when i have when the <laughs> roaster's warming up i work on a few chops but that's sweet that sounds like a lot of work just for a show yeah but it's it's amazing like when people see an actual piano up on stage like it doesn't really matter how good He's you kidding, are right they're, yeah they're like wow that's really incredible like just the fact that you got that up there i'm impressed and, and then if you're halfway decent at playing everybody's like all right this is great so it sounds like you kind of just when you started back at rack and cloth you just went for it you had no idea what you were really doing i mean you knew how to play an instrument but as far mm -hmm. as like creating a show making a set list mm -hmm. hosting the show organizing the team you just went for it I had played in a, in a group in high school as well. I, I, I had a band, four-piece band, and we would do little like coffee shop gigs in the gorge, mostly in the Dallas where I went to school. Um, but after that, um, sorry, lost it again. <laughs> <laughs> I was just asking if like, what I was hoping to ask is what you kind of learned because it sounded like you just went for... Yes. This whole performing thing. Mm -hmm. And then you were saying that you had a little experience from high school. Mm -hmm. I did um, have a little experience in high school. But I was just curious what, like, because I know a few people that play instruments and they're really good. And they talk like, yeah, they'd like to perform live, but they want to wait until the right moment to, like, let it mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. Do you have any, what, what, what advice would you give to someone who's in that position where they have some skill, they have some talent, they have some pride, mm -hmm. maybe a little bit of ego, mm -hmm. and they're scared, but at the same time, they're excited to try it, and they mm 
Mm -hmm. Like, right? When's the right time? Well, my my first advice would be start them young, right? Like starting in high school and kind of building that confidence in high school was huge for me. Uh, if I was to start now, it would probably it would probably be much more difficult, obviously, standing in front of people and performing. But since I had already had that experience, I, I feel like it, it's just it's a natural, it natural thing now. Yeah. So if somebody is starting now, I mean, you just got to jump in. You just got to do it. Just got to go for it. I was hoping you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah. That's my, although. That's kind of my my default on a lot of things. I think totally. it could be dangerous. I think there's certain things you don't want to do that with, but um, as long as you you remember like to just stay balanced, right? You're not you're not too far into it. You know what I mean? Like the the I I use a pendulum theory and all the time. Like I I try not to swing too far to the left or too far to the right. I try to keep the pendulum right in the middle, sort of thing. Right. Um. So it sounds like you're pretty interested in kids or you 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 do well with kids Mm because you said that you moved to chicago to be a nanny for Mm -hmm. your family friend's son Mm -hmm. i believe Mm -hmm. you are the full-time caretaker of your daughter Mm -hmm. the stay-at-home dad Mm -hmm. what do you like i guess uh, what do you think makes you a good person with kids i think experience for sure and then uh, family history. My my mother is a school teacher. She still teaches. She's 70 years old and has been teaching for 40 plus years in the Dallas. And I have a sister that's a teacher. My grandmother was a teacher. Her husband was an administrator. So the schooling and, and just you know, kids in general, I feel like we're just kind of synonymous with, with my family. Like I watched my mother care for not just her own four children, but hundreds of other kids. And I think just seeing that and having that built into me from my ancestry, I, I, I naturally had kind of a, a A bridge, a bridge to kids, right? An example to follow. Yeah. Yeah. And it just was easier because I had that experience and, and visually seeing it happen. Right. And what was it like finding a school for your daughter? uh natural it was a it was a pretty natural progression we were actually all (laughs) geared up to go to the Mosier school they have a a pre-k program there and all of a sudden we're we're thinking of alternative ideas like within there's a month maybe a couple months before school starts and we're thinking do we really want to have her sitting inside a classroom for x amount of hours every day and the, the the schedule was pretty intense at the Mosier School. The kids are in in school at seven thirty, and then they're not out until two thirty. And you know me For and preschool? looking at my four year old, I'm like, <laughs> I don't know if that's the most healthy thing to do. So Mr. Michael, our dear friend, sent his kids to this outdoor school last year and had nothing but great things to say about it. And we just started researching that a little bit more, and ended up kind of falling in love with this place. Really? So you're happy with with the... So stoked. So stoked. Lucy, my daughter, will go up at 9 or 10 o'clock and be outside until 2 o'clock. Just outdoor school. They have a greenhouse that they can go into with a heater if they get cold, but it's it's outdoor, nature-focused. And she comes home singing songs every day and wanting to be outside. 
it's just amazing. It's the the resiliency that she's built up in half of a year. It's just awesome. Mm. And it's from being outside and singing. <laughs> right. <laughs> if you want your daughter to sing outside, have her sing outside. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> that sounds like amazing because, I mean, I've... I've thought about the question a little bit because I hated sitting in school. It felt like a jail. So I've thought about, wow, I don't know what I would do with my kids because I'd hate to put them through that same thing. Right. But that sounds like that sounds like it's just amazing exactly what you want. Yeah. At least at this stage. It's magic <laughs> is what it is. Like you're, you're giving, or at least in my opinion, we are giving Lucy one more year of just solid magic before, right. before school. Before right. you're sitting down and doing that thing before the orange jumpsuit exactly yeah <laughs> and just the idea of having yeah having this whole year of being outside and then going into kindergarten next year it's like a gap year for a high schooler right like it's it's just it makes sense to to take some time oh well not off but just away from from the main focus i guess right so back to moco what is your focus what what is your vision for five years or 10 years or do you think about a vision for the future i do and we're actually at the point now where my my daughter will next year be going into kindergarten with a even longer schedule than she has right now right and so i do project myself to that time and i i make these goals like reintroducing hours in the morning of moco and and doing coffee again in the morning sort of thing um and just adding adding different things even like doing a a coffee cart and and kind of doing a little build out and then taking that elsewhere and doing little events Mm. maybe monthly that's definitely been on the the idea sheet Mm -hmm. but getting back into making coffee not just roasting coffee but making coffee again is is in in my projection for sure right What's it like trying to hire people? It's and terrible. in Mosier specifically. <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> I I so with the coffee side, it's just me. Right. I don't have anybody that, that works underneath me or above me. It's just me. In the restaurant side, you you have to fill the positions, right? You have the front of the house, you have the back of the house. And we've been incredibly fortunate to have a, a real solid crew in the kitchen for a few years now front of the house a little bit a little bit quicker turnover for sure um definitely a big reason why our hours are the way they are is because of staffing and just trying to get people to fill those positions Hmm. being in Mosier too like we've hired everybody that lives in Mosier right like the the kitchen crew lives in Mosier a couple (coughs) of front of house folks live in Mosier but it's hard to get people to drive to Mosier right to work when, right. you could, when you could work elsewhere so so creating that like culture in there is, is pretty important to draw people in right have Just, you have you had to compromise on your metrics for what you're looking for in a candidate since like since covid i don't i don't think i think we're, we're it's it's about the same but i feel like we've always kind of had an idea of who we wanted to add to the team because everybody is owner operator like what well, Everybody's going to be working there. You want to build the team with people that you work well with, right? So there, there has been a standard, I would say. And 
I don't think anybody's really wavered on that on that standard. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. You just don't hire as opposed to making a bad hire. We just work more hours. Yeah, exactly. Right. And have you had to compromise a lot in that sense? Have you guys been taking on much more labor? For sure. In the beginning phases too, right? Like getting trying to get people to work in the beginning of the project was just as difficult as it is now, I would say. Right. So there were, yeah, many 14, 16 hour days for sure. <laughs> right. At the beginning, I imagine it's like, yeah, come work for me. And then they're like, okay, what do I do? And I was like, and then you're probably like, well, I don't know. We got to figure it out because <laughs> yeah, right. right? you, you're yeah. just starting. Yeah, totally. It's We all had experience in customer service before we started this, but none of us had worked in restaurant. So what do you look for in a candidate? Well, if I'm What if makes I'm your hiring, team work well, as you said? If, I, if I'm hiring for a front of the house position, like the, the, the initial like greeting, like somebody that's going to just say hello to you. Right. Like that's the first thing I look for. Like if I walk into a room, am I the first person to say hello? Or is, is it the employee that's going to say hello? Do you like to, me, to right? wait when they walk into the interview? Uh, no, no, no. I, I don't do that. Like, <laughs> I was just I'm a lead by you. example kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> You just don't say anything until they say yeah. hello. Yeah. 30 seconds. Wow. You have them write that one down. <laughs> yeah. Is that somebody that fit, like we have an incredibly laid back style being a family business. Like it's, it's real laid back. So that is a criteria for sure. Like, yeah, right. You can't be too high strung. <laughs> right. And then, yeah, like the kit, the kitchen crew, is another another uh, can of worms when you're hiring like, right different different set of requirements yep yep um so different so lifestyles even like so for the front of the house you have to say hello <laughs> yes anything else <laughs> that's it <laughs> you, I mean, you've been into an environment where you feel welcome right like and and welcome by somebody else mm-hmm. in, almost immediately like that is ideally who i would be looking for because this is this space isn't just a restaurant or a bar. It is that, you know, it's that third third place. Like it's it is where the community comes to hang out. Before before Moco there wasn't a place in Mosier that the community could gather mm-hmm. other than like a church or school. So that just somebody that fits that vibe of like, come on in, let's do this thing. Do you guys have any host any sort of like communal events or like kind of meetings or anything try and get into that space at all or for sure for sure i i feel like the door is always open we're we're always Mosier is growing in the last you know five or six years it's grown tremendously like there's this uh there's the main street Mosier committee now which kind of helps out all the businesses in Mosier and and just it is planning for a different trajectory of Mosier, like a more community-based trajectory. And those those folks often come in for their meetings in our space, fire meetings, firehouse meetings, any sort of community meetings you can usually find in MoCo. Mm-hmm. So you seem, you guys are obviously very focused on making people feel welcome and having a communal space. What do you think drives that? Was that missing in your life? Or had you seen it and you just wanted to make more of it? Or do you know where that comes from? That's a good question. I, I feel like everybody's kind of felt that and, and wanted it, right? Like that 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 uh, I belong vibe or like that I, I am welcome here. 
but again, you know, watching my folks, watching my mom being a school teacher and just providing for so many people and having that, that attitude of like, I'm here to help you. I'm, I'm here for you sort of thing. Just having that experience growing up and, and really valuing that. Right. Adding that into the restaurant. Do people like wave to each other? Like wave hello in Mosier? Oh yeah. We have a beautiful <laughs> sign that somebody made that says, welcome to Mosier, smile and wave. <laughs> it's just I a think, good reminder when you pop in there. I think we need a few in town here. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I wave to um, what would appear to be personless cars all the time. Or It's just interesting how it's, for being a town that's, so happy so vibrant so happy mm-hmm. so vibrant right people are very well off economically they're well off in in terms of health people mm-hmm. are very active but somehow we don't have that communal aspect like figured out and i there's a total different feeling in white salmon mm-hmm. total different feeling in Mosier, the dows mm-hmm. like it's all got its own vibe mm-hmm. What do you think has made that communal kind of spirit and Mosier stick together? I think that for for a long, long time, Mosier was like a, a bedroom community where you you lived and slept in Mosier, but you went to school, you worked, you played elsewhere. Hmm. So the 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 things that were community focused, like in, in Mosier, the church was, was a big one for people growing up. Um, yeah, I don't know. Do you think they need each other? I... Or, or is that communal aspect as strong as I'm imagining it? I think it is. I think it is. And especially in rural communities, I think that like in Mosier, everybody, kind of had their pods they had their chunk of land they had their family and everybody just kind of hung out on their on their land basically and then you would come to town and you would see these same people over and over and start building that that community i would i would imagine and everybody kind of i feel like and this goes for the dals too the dals has this has this way of um, supporting you. Like if, if you needed something from the community of the Dows, you could put the word out and you would, you would get it from the community of the Dows. And I don't know if that's just like a rural thing being farther out from, from, you know, not civilization, but from cities, like being that, that much farther out, there are different priorities. There are different, different people. So I do think that it's like, like minds are, are in Mosier and in all these different communities in the gorge for sure. Mm Mm-hmm that's probably a big a big part of it just having that like-mindedness right and i think the hood river is kind of the anomaly in that communal aspect it seems like white salmon has more of that communal sense than hood river does i wonder if part of it's not the engineering and the the unmanned aerospace industry Hmm. where you have a lot of people that don't depend on their neighbor as much right if i own a restaurant i depend on my neighbor to come to the restaurant Mm if i um have a barber shop, or if I have, you know, a, a key, if I have a, a key Smith store, mm-hmm. those smaller businesses that the Dallas has more of that Mosier, that That's white salmon point. have more of, and then you have hood river where it's like, Oh, I make these planes that, you know, some dude way mm-hmm. over there buys mm-hmm. and I don't need you in any way, shape or form. Actually, if you could just 
stay out of my shit. That'd be best. <laughs> that's a great point. <laughs> yeah. And that seems to be a lot of the, I mean, I don't know what the latest metrics or, or data is on how many people work in that industry here. Mm-hmm. I obviously work in that industry, mm-hmm. but it's, it's interesting because it makes success. It makes individual success, but communal success is a different thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'd love to figure out how to cultivate more of that communal thri- more a more thriving community mm-hmm. in Hood River without just throwing that engineering and aerospace industry in the trash because I think it's super valuable mm-hmm. and important in its own right, but it's, mm-hmm. it has a long way to go. Start them young. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so I think that kind of covers the, the roadmap that, that I had in mind before we started, before we go, the Mm -hmm. last thing that I'll throw out there, and this is kind of a big one. I know I've been hitting you with big ones, but this is the biggest of them all. (laughs) Do you have a, a legacy in mind that you want to leave behind for your daughter? Golly. I don't think I've ever thought about leaving behind a legacy, honestly. Like there are things I I suppose I've like music sharing that with my daughter and and passing that on to my daughter has been really awesome to watch. And that I guess that could be considered part of the legacy that that I'm thinking of in the future. Um I I get the sense that culture would be a big part, showing her a way of life, teaching her, mm-hmm. passing on that that thinking, that mindset, totally. that software that mm-hmm. lets you be the happy man you are. I get that sense a lot that that would be something that that's really important for, sure. for you to pass on. For sure. I'm always, I feel like one of the things I always say to my daughter is be a good leader, you know, have fun at school, be a good leader, be a good friend. And just being that for her and, and just, you know, talking to people like humans and critical thinking all very very important things absolutely and my wife is a mediator by trade so her the vocab that she uses with lucy is incredibly beneficial for identifying emotions and just like people will tell you all the time well a kid doesn't know what their emotions are it's like they definitely are very aware of what's going on i feel like we've been kind of giving kids this crutch for a long time like they they don't understand what's going on at such a young age, but you can see it on their face. Like she knows what's going on. She knows what conflict means. She knows you can right. teach kids these things. Uh, yeah, I'm absolutely. a firm believer in that. I am as well. Nice. Right, I, I, our bodies know so much, and then the mind. Right, there's so many things that we don't even understand on a conscious level about our bodies. Yeah, or even right? think about. And then for us to say that some child that we don't even understand doesn't understand something. I totally agree. It's, yeah. it's benefit of the doubt. You should assume they can understand it. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so what day, what's, what's the best day to go into Tomoko restaurant? If I want to go. Oh, the best day you're talking like year round. I'm talking day of the week. Mm, I go in Sunday because 
I don't like the big crowds personally. Okay. Uh, I like a little bit more intimate setting. You like the family loke dog crowd? Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's exactly. It's the families, it's the locals that end up there on Sunday nights. It can get a little bit rowdy, of course, but uh, Sundays are always good. I, I feel but like no one I has have... to drive home because it's Mosier. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I I feel like any day is a good day to walk in there because you will always run into probably my dad or one of my family members. Some of the locals, for sure. Like you, you get a pretty good sense of Mosier by walking into MoCo, for the most part. I'm going to walk in there with a stopwatch. Yes. How long till they say hello? Yes. <laughs> Do it. I'll send you in there. I'll the send you the report. Yes. <laughs> um, where can people find you or MoCo? You can find us. <sighs> Mosier, definitely. We, uh, I sell my coffee in the Mosier market. Brenna's Mosier market has been awesome. Um, they actually started out right when we started out. Um, so we've kind of been working together on that. Um, we That's were in tough. Treebird for a little while. Um, yeah. Do you guys do any online direct sales of coffee? I do. Yeah. We have a website that hasn't been incredibly prosperous. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so Just wait we, till my tens of thousands of viewers yes, go please. check it out. <laughs> Mosiercompany.com. <laughs> And so MosierCompany.com, is it the same for the roasting yep. and the restaurant? It's all, all one thing? the same thing. Yep. Do you guys run Instagram or any of that weird stuff? I think so. I don't, I, I think there's an Instagram and a Facebook. But the website's the place to go. That's where I always go. It has an events page, so it'll show you all the music that's happening in the spring and summer. Excellent. Cool, yeah. man. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank I really appreciate it. Thank you very much, it. man. This is awesome. Thank you. Yeah. And thank you guys for checking out the show. We are very excited to bring you more conversations like this. Be well.